You're listening to The Stall and Stable Show, ideas for happy horsekeeping. Investing in your farm is usually a multi-step process that often happens after your business has been up and running for a while. But finding the cash reserves to buy that manure spreader, the run-in sheds for your pasture, upgrade your fencing, or install new footing in your arena is a real challenge for most small business owners. That's where microloans come in. Today's guest is financing expert and stall and stable consultant, Buck Harris. Buck and I are going to explain the SBA's microloan program, the pros and cons of the program, and what these loans are best used for. So if you've been thinking about making upgrades to your farm, buying equipment, hiring somebody to help you, listen in. This is episode 105 of the Stall and Stable Show, brought to you by American Stalls. Welcome back, listeners. Today's Wednesday, October 19th, 2022. I'm your host, Helena Harris. Please support our show by supporting our sponsors. If you haven't contacted American Stalls about your barn equipment, do that today. They're an incredible resource. They make products you don't need to worry about, and they are more than happy to offer advice about what will work best for your barn project and how your stall equipment can add value to your barn. Go find them online at AmericanStalls.com and see what I'm talking about. I'm always happy to have Buck come on the show and share his expertise, and today is no different. But before he and I start our conversation about SBA microloans, here's an update on Clarabelle and the gang at Who Hollow. Okay, so Clarabelle is still at Tufts. She will be there for the remainder of this week. She, if you haven't been following along the story, she crashed into a rock in her paddock about eight weeks ago, and uh, maybe seven weeks ago, and she cut her cannon bone. She did not fracture her bone, um, There was so there was no break, but the wound did seem to get infected, and in fact, the bone was damaged enough, it took a hard enough hit, that the, the very top layer of bone seems to be... Um, it's not exactly infected, it's not exactly dead, or what they call necrotic, but it's abnormal. And it's abnormal enough where Clarabelle's immune system views this damaged section of bone and skin as a foreign body. So her immune system is trying to get rid of this foreign body by overhealing it. So it never heals. And she needed some surgery to clean that out. And it's going to take quite a while for that wound to heal. So at the moment, she's at Tufts and she's having the bandage changed regularly and overseen by the surgical staff there. She may need to go to a rehab facility for a few weeks rather than coming home where I'm not 100% sure I can provide a sterile environment, a calm and sterile environment so that we can get the best healing from that wound as possible. So there are a lot of question marks right now, but um, Tufts is calling me every day with an update. And um, so far, things are looking good. So again, today is, I'm actually recording this on Tuesday, October 18th. The show airs on the 19th. And as of today, things are looking pretty good. So that's Clarabelle. I did order shredded cardboard bedding. As you guys know, I love, love, love my shredded cardboard, but it's very difficult to get up here in New England. Uh, so it, having that shipped up to Rhode Island is an added expense. However, 
there are very few things that are worth an added expense when it comes to horsekeeping. Shredded cardboard bedding is one of them. So hopefully we'll be seeing that arrive very soon. Susie is going really well, like really well. I have an instructor who comes to my property about once a week, sometimes twice. And we do a combination of training for Susie and instruction for me, which we both really, really appreciate. I could not be happier. I absolutely love my coach. Uh, So she's going really well. Of course, she's Susie, so there are her challenges, and we can talk about those in another episode. But overall, she has been a joy to ride, which thank goodness, because the stress of of Clarabelle and Brody uh, needs to be relieved with some time in the saddle. So yes, Brody. Brody has had, he's been struggling with an intermittent lameness, which is the result of a suspensory ligament injury. It's the lower branch of his front, right front suspensory ligament. Um, And these kinds of injuries can become chronic, especially in older horses, especially in older overweight horses and older overweight horses with Brody's specific conformation. We are right now treating that with rest, ice, weight loss, Equiox daily, and a topical pain reliever anti-inflammatory called Surpass. So he's in the first seven days of rehabbing from that. Fingers crossed that we can get him to a place where he's at least walk trot sound and um, because he has a lot of riding years left in him if we can get this under control. And let me tell you, he gets to be a real... Uh, naughty bugger. And I, yes, I use the word naughty very consciously when he's on a diet. He really just gets so frustrated. Um, I have been letting him out on what little pasture we have, but he has to go out with a grazing muzzle. <laughs> I can tell you that is not his friend. It's the only time Brody ever really runs away from me is when I come after him with that grazing muzzle. But we have to do what we have to do, right? So that's the update on Clarabelle. Susie and Brody. And lastly, for this um, update, Stall and Stable West. If you haven't already listened, Stall and Stable West premiered last week featuring Tara Tibbetts. It's all about horse keeping west of the Mississippi. So the Midwest, the Pacific Northwest, the West Coast. And we started with a deep dive into horse keeping in Montana, which is where Tara Tibbetts grew up. I really think you're going to like it. So go have a listen. Episode one of Stall and Stable West. It's on the same feed that the Stall and Stable show is on. So it'll be in your feed regularly. We're going to do that once a month. And I think that's it for housekeeping updates on Hollow. And now it's time to talk dollars and cents with finance expert Buck Harris. Am I going to get a turn? I've just been waiting and waiting for my turn. You're fresh. You're fresh. Can I finish introducing you? I thought you you? were going to end the show before I... (laughs) Oh my God, you're fresh. Not my chance. Okay. So if anybody cares at this point, because uh, if you want to turn this episode off, go ahead because he's being naughty (laughs) Because we're going to have a fight. (laughs) (laughs) So Buck is Vice President of Community Investment Corporation, which is an SBA lender that specializes in loans for small business owners through, of course, the U.S. Small Business Administration. Hi, Buck. Welcome back, love. It's so nice to be here. How many years have I been in the lending space? Um, As of October 1, 2022. 
12 years, 13, 14 years. 14 years I've been doing this. 14 years. So I have a pretty good sense of how to get financing, when you need financing, and how to go about the process of getting somebody to finance your your need for a small business. And horse professionals, um, even if you're not a horse professional, I mean, to me, a boarding barn owner is a horse professional, but you can be a trainer, you can be an instructor, you can be a veterinarian. Yeah, you can be someone who works on horse feet, hooves, I understand they're called. A hoof care specialist. A hoof care right? specialist. Or a farrier. Okay. A yeah, farrier. Yeah, yeah. You could be someone who braids manes for a living. Mm. You could be someone who grooms horses. You could be any horse-related business out there would qualify for SBA financing. You and I have talked about SBA 504 loans in the past, which mm-hmm. are the big ticket loans for big ticket items like buying the farm, building an indoor arena, big, big dollar projects. Today, we're going to talk about microloans, which are smaller in number. And microloans go by the amount of money that the person wants to borrow. So tell us how much microloans are. Mm-hmm. Microloans go up to $50,000. Up to 50000 Yes. Okay. And they can be at a term of up to six years. Okay. So you can borrow up to $50,000 and the payback term would be six years maximum. Maximum. By by law, you think a microloan through the SBA cannot go beyond six years. So it's a short-term loan. Mm-hmm. Okay. And versus like a 504 loan, which can be 20, 25 years. Exactly. Okay. So I like this because it's kind of more like a car where you're not looking at the rest of your life paying back this loan. Right. Okay. What kinds of things can a microloan be used for? So I think you kind of went through a little bit of a list there, you know, footing. So fencing, I mean, we could just say equipment in general, anything equipment related for your farm, you could use a microloan for. So like an arena drag, Yeah. an ATV, Mm -hmm. a manure spreader. Yep. Anything like that. Uh, If you wanted to reseed a field and you wanted to pay someone to come and churn that, you know, turn all that, what you had out there, it's all junk, let's say. You just need to rip it all down to nothing, put new soil on there and seed it. And you wanted to pay someone and it was going to cost $25,000 to get that done. You could get a microloan for that. Okay. I love that. I'm not suggesting that for who hollow. (laughs) Because we just work with our bare hands and a rake. But in the real world, you know, when you're running a business, uh, pulling the trigger to get some things accomplished that will really upgrade your facility often makes sense. And we always bring it back to, is there some kind of a return on the investment? And that's, to me, people always say, should I borrow money to do this? Should I use my cash? And there's always a lot of decisions to be made around that. But it really comes down to, is there some kind of a return on the investment? So for use of funds, you can use a microloan for anything farm related that's commercial. You can even get permanent working capital. So if you added five stalls and you needed to do some marketing and hire someone and those stalls weren't going to start to generate income yet, but you needed some cash to work with, you could get a $25,000 loan and just use it to market and get those stalls filled or maybe put the mats in that you need and buy the bedding that you need and get some extra hay so that you're ready to go. Um, We would just call that a permanent working capital loan. What about labor? 
that falls under the heading of working capital. Oh, okay. So if you were okay. going to. If uh, I need to hire somebody. Yeah. You're like, hey, I'm ready to hire a barn manager, but my cash flow isn't quite there yet. But I know that once I bring this person on or I'm going to hire a new trainer and I know that once this person comes on, it's going to start to generate cash flow. But I need money on the front end to pay this person and I'm going to pay them X number of dollars per year or whatever. And I need about three or four months runway here. Let me borrow 30 or $40,000 and get that person up to speed. That's certainly a legitimate use of your funds for uh, for a microloan. Okay. Microloans are different than conventional loans because it's not like the SBA or even the intermediary lender, which is what your company is. Um, I mean, the SBA doesn't lend money directly to small business owners. Only during times of disasters. So COVID was one. If there's a hurricane in your area or something, you know, they come in and they'll set up shop and do direct loans. But That's what the PPP loans were and the EIDL. Exactly. Okay. So the SBA basically gives you a big bucket of money and or companies like yours and you guys decide who to lend it to. Right. And obviously the small business owner has to make their case to you and say, here's what I want to use the money for. Here's how it's going to give me a return on my investment. But it's not like you just write them a big fat check and say, here you go. Let us know when you're successful. No. And the reason we don't do that is because there's probably a micro, I don't know if there's a micro lender in every state. But I believe there's close to it. So no matter where you live, there's a, there's someone doing SBA microloans in your state. We borrow the money from the SBA, like a million dollars, $750,000 at a time. And then we lend it 100% our risk. So if I do a $50,000 microloan for you, small business, horse owner, person, my company takes that full $50,000 risk. So we want to be sure that the money is being spent on something that's going to provide enough cash flow to pay the loan back. We do get a grant. Every SBA micro lender gets a grant from the SBA to pay for some small business support. That means typically they have a full-time business counselor who will go to your farm, visit you, talk to you about how you're going to use your money and help you develop a plan and get comfortable that, you know, hey, we want you to pay us back, but we also know you want to pay us back. Nobody wants to default <laughs> on a loan. So, you know, it becomes a partnership. Mm. We're going to loan you the money. We're going to make sure you spend it on what you say you're going to spend it on. And we're going to be there every step of the way while you're paying us back to provide support, free support services. Sometimes that comes in the form of some kind of pro bono work from attorneys. Um, at CIC, we have opportunities for people to participate in free marketing programs. We have QuickBooks training. We have a new restaurant expert who goes in mm-hmm. and sits down with some of our restaurant owners and works with them. We don't have a barn person. We don't have a you know a, a horse job. person yet. <laughs> but yeah, we can hand that off to Helena. Her services aren't free, but they're well worth every penny you spend because you know the mistakes are costly. You know, if McDonald's opens a lousy location, they close up shop and open up somewhere else. If you pick a a space that you think is going to be great for a farm and it turns out it's not, you don't have any recourse. If you borrow $50,000 and you didn't do your homework and you spend that money unwisely and you don't get a return on your investment, it doesn't increase the value of what you're providing to your customers in some way where you can either get more customers or raise your prices or do something to get that return on investment. You've really wasted a lot of time and energy, and then it takes years to recoup 
And you're still on the hook for paying that loan back. Oh, yeah. You have to pay the loan back. Yep. So it, it always makes sense to get good advice from as many people as you can and listen. You know, I get people who, you know, oh, I've been in the restaurant business for 10 years. Oh, I've been doing the horse business for 25 years. I, you know, I don't need somebody to tell me what to do. Here's what I'm going to use the money for. I know this is going to work. Yeah. I don't like those clients. They're already set in ways. And, and I'll say to myself, well, if you've been doing this 25 years and you're that great at it, why do you need $25,000? You should be sitting on a pile of money by now. And if you're not, then clearly you need to listen to people around you and start to do things differently so your business can start to pay you back. And everybody likes to say, well, the horse business is different because our operating costs are so high. Horses are different. You have to feed them and they have all these unpredictable costs and and expenses. Um, And that is only 25% true. Your risk with horses is manageable when it comes to to financial stuff. So a microloan then is, it's got this short-term payback period, which is maximum you can take to pay back the loan is six years. There's some oversight. So you don't just get a big fat check and can spend it however you want. There is some oversight from the company who lends you the money. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's talk about interest rates. Are they competitive with banks? Are they a little bit higher? Most people shop for loans based on interest rate, right? And how, you know, maybe a couple other things. What are the interest rates like? So the banking community is, you, you really need to go to your bank, before I talk about rates, you really need to go yeah. to your bank first and find out if they'll give you a loan. All the microloan intermediaries across the country have other loan programs beyond just microloans. And we count on banks as our referral source. So if you go to the bank and they say, you know, I'm sorry, you don't really show the cash flow yet, or your business is too new, or you've got bumps on your credit report and we can't do this loan for you. We'd love to, but we can't. They can refer you to your local micro lender. But the thing is, we don't want to be in competition with banks. So our rate is always going to be a little bit higher than a bank rate. And I would say that today, October 2022, is probably the only time our rate is actually a little bit lower than the bank's rate. We borrowed the money at a rate for our company to relend and we're fixed at a, uh, without getting into the weeds, we're, we can only go so high on our rate. So we're maxed out at 7.75% oh, right okay. now. okay. There's a cap. Because of the rising interest rate environment, banks are lending at eight, eight and a half right now. So it's actually a really good time to get a microloan before the SBA gets wise to the fact that <laughs> our rates are actually a little bit lower. You know, at 7.75% three years ago, uh, you could go to the bank and get a 5% rate. Our rates sounded very high. Okay. But uh, right now, we're, we're actually in a strange competitive space that we we probably don't belong in, but it is what it is. Um, you know, also, if you think about a $25,000 loan over four years, let's say, if you got a 7% rate or a 6% rate or an 8% rate, it's not going to matter that much on your payment because it's a small, you know, it's not a $2,500,000 loan. Yeah. It's a small loan. So- at the end of the day, the rate I always feel like is pretty secondary to the uh, the power of the actual money. You know, what can you do with this money? The rate is very secondary to that. You should be able to get a return on your investment if you can get a rate under 10%. Let's go back to some of the reasons that you said a bank wouldn't offer someone a loan. So banks really going to look at a few factors. The first one everybody looks at is credit score. And banks are very focused on credit score. And if your credit score is below 675, 
I've got bankers that'll tell me they'll go below that, but I'd be a little surprised. Uh, and, you know, everybody can check their credit score through their banks now, through their checking account, savings account, every bank pretty much. Your credit uh, card company. Your credit card it. company. Everybody's yeah. flashing your score up there yeah. now. So, you know, there's ample opportunity to know what your score is. But sometimes you can be a very credit worthy person with a 650 credit score because you had a late payment three months ago due to an oversight. Mm. And that late payment stings and it drops your score. And now the bank's saying, well, we get it, but we have a we have a rule, and our rule says if your score is below a certain amount, we can't help you. That becomes a great candidate for a microloan because we call that storied credit. You know, there's a story. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sometimes you may be a two income family, and one person was ill for six. Somebody had COVID for yeah. a year and couldn't work, and you fell behind on your bills. Now that person's back to work. You've gotten caught up, but your credit score got beat up because you had late payments due to this lack of income. Uh, again, banks can look at it and say, yeah, we get it. We're so sorry. We can't help you. Send you to your SBA micro lender and they'll look at that and say, of course, we get it. Let's let's put the human touch on that and and you know put an asterisk by it and put it to the side. You're up to date now and you've been able to demonstrate that you know you can pay your bills. Let's get this micro loan done. So credit score is a big factor. The second factor for a bank would be collateral. Okay. So if you're renting stalls somewhere, you don't own the barn, you don't have anything to pledge, but you need cash for working capital or you want to buy that gator, scoot around your farm on and bring water out to horses and drag your ring and all those things. And it's a really important purchase for you, but you don't really have any other collateral. The bank's often going to say no. For people who don't know what collateral means, what is that? It's the insurance policy at some level, right? If you can't pay the loan back, I want to take something from you that I can sell. Like a horse trailer. A horse trailer, yeah. Do you have to, at the time you apply for the loan, do you have to indicate what collateral you're willing to put up for that loan? Or can the SBA come in and just say, these are your assets and we're going to seize them in order to pay for this loan that you defaulted on? So what happens is when you borrow the money, two things happen. You sign a personal guarantee that says, business aside, I personally guarantee that I'm going to pay this back. So you really are personally on the hook for the long haul at that point. Okay. Even if you declare, but your business declares bankruptcy, you're still on the hook for that money, your personal guarantee. So every lender is going to ask for a personal guarantee. But the other thing that they're going to do is file what's called a UCC-1 filing, which is a lien. So an L-I-E-N lien, which is really no different than the lien the bank would have on your home. So if you buy a house, the bank says, if you walk away from this loan, we're taking the house back. If okay. you buy a car, the bank says, you walk away from these, this loan, we're taking the car back. In the case of a UCC blanket lien on your business assets, we're saying if you don't pay it back, we are going to repossess all your business assets and try to liquidate them so that we can recoup our losses. Okay. So let's say someone owns a, a horse trailer and it's worth $50,000. And then you're meaning they can sell it. Even if it's used, they can sell it for $50,000. Mm -hmm. They take out a $50,000 micro loan separate for other things they want to improve the footing in their arena. They default on that microloan. 
the lender can come in and seize that horse trailer as an asset and sell it in order to recoup the 50 grand that was owed them? Correct. Okay. So that's just an example. Yeah. Okay. So we we talked about credit collateral, which is that asset you're going to pledge against your loan. Yep. Um, And then really the next thing, and probably the most important thing is really your cash flow. So we want to be able to see, we're going to look at your tax returns, look at your what we call an interim financial statement, right? So if you filed a tax return for 2021, that doesn't tell me where you're at in 2022, right? Business could be great. Business could be lousy. So we want to see your profit and loss for 2022, maybe through August or September. We want to see a balance sheet so we can see how much you own, how much you owe. And based on those factors, we can make a determination whether or not you can pay the loan back. Now, if you've been making, if you've been really profitable in 2020, 2021, and your 2022 interims show profits, you can probably get a bank loan. Even if your credit's crappy? If your credit's crappy, you probably can't get a bank loan. <laughs> so then you become a really good candidate for me because I can tell your story, you know, get my, my top hat and my cane out and do the song and dance for my underwriter and get that loan approved based on your profitability and the story behind your your credit issues. Yeah, you're like the small business champion. That's what I you're do. Like, okay, and that's the, my the, I, yeah. Pom poms and a skirt aren't <laughs> what I do, but the top hat and the cane that would be more my style. That's definitely your style, though. You would look cute in a skirt. <laughs> you got some nice legs. A kilt. A kilt. A kilt. Do okay. I have to shave my legs for that though? No. No, no hairy God, no. kilt legs. All right. You would look cute in a kilt. Whatever turns you on. You would totally look I'm cute good. in a kilt. All right. So really, the small business owner may be bankable. They may be able to get a loan through a bank. But if they have not so good credit, if they're a startup, meaning this is the first, Startups they can't really show that yep. they have. Um, they can turn a profit and they don't have the cash flow. So that might be the reason the bank would turn them down. Um, Lack of or they collateral. Don't have any collateral. Yep. Okay. So just back to the cash flow thing for a second. If you've been breaking even for a couple of years. So here's the lesson learned. A lot of people, especially in a business like a horse business, you get a lot of cash and you put that cash under your mattress and you spend it as you need to and you avoid paying a lot of taxes, which is great until you want to get a loan. Mm. And then you're breaking even for the last three years. And I could give you so many examples of so many different businesses that seem to be running perfectly fine for many years. And when you look at their tax return, they earned $8,000, they yeah. earned $15,000 and they paid a you know, and they and the small business owner is saying, "Wow, I saved myself all this money." But at the end of the day, you're really hamstringing your business because businesses are like relationships. You have to continue to invest in them. You can't say, "Oh, my wife is my wife, my husband's my husband, and I'm not going to put any more energy into this. It's just going to float along." Guess what? It's not going to last, and it's not going to pay you back. You know, people talk about my business needs to break even. And I always say, but if your business is breaking even, it's not paying you back. It needs to pay you for your effort. Otherwise, you're going to get tired and burn out. And we all see it happening in the horse business all the time. So the question you need to ask yourself is, for the energy and the effort I'm putting in, is my business paying me back? And if it's not, get a consultant to help you figure out how to make your business pay you back. So you love your business. People, I was in business for a long time and I hated my business a lot of the time because it didn't pay me back. It wore me down. 
it was like a bad relationship, right? Yeah. With someone who's constantly taking. My business was constantly taking. It never gave me a hug. It never told <laughs> me it loved me. Yeah. And so I got so tired of it. And I think that, you know, when you start to really look at the energy you're putting into your business and you say, if I had $50,000 or if I had $20,000, what could I do? Don't be afraid to reinvest in your business. Don't be afraid to take risk. Mm. You know, lots of people, they, they borrow money, they get their business up and running and then they go, I don't want to borrow any more money. I just want to get out of debt and run my business. And I say, look at the top performing businesses across the world. They all borrow money to grow their businesses and they all learn to live with debt because that's how you leverage your investment. You have to continue to take risks. So there's, it's healthy debt. The word debt has a stigma, but there's healthy debt. And it's, I mean, we're always going to be in some sort of debt, whether we have a car payment or a truck payment or a mortgage or rent, that's all debt. So making sure that you manage your debt and you have a balance of cash coming in your loan payments or your debt, you know, cash going out. That's really the key. And I know that a lot of horse people, regardless of the niche in our industry, a lot of horse people feel like their payback is the fact that they get to spend time with horses. They get to do what they love. But what happens is the business side of what they do it detracts or it negates some of that love. It sucks some of the energy out of what they love to do. Yeah. And then it compromises that part. So the payback, you're, you're slowly losing personal capital, what I call like that soft capital. That's really well put. Right? You're slowly leaking that personal emotional capital out of your livelihood because it makes working with horses not fun because you're constantly seeking ways to pay the bills. And then what happens is at a, at one, before you get to that point, you lose your creativity. It's mm-hmm. hard to get up in the morning and feel excited about your business and, and get fresh ideas when your business is not paying you back. You get up in the morning and you feel overwhelmed by it every day instead of feeling energized by it. And when people say, well, you know, I'm very debt averse, I'm very risk averse, then you shouldn't be in business. Because it's not going to help you. It's going to make you miserable. Yeah. If I said to you, here's $20,000, you have to pay me back, but here's how you can take that $20,000 and turn it into $50,000 in income each year after you make your loan payment. You do it all day long, right? Yeah. And if I could loan you $50,000 and you could turn that into $150,000 in income, of course you would do it. So all you really need to do is consider your plan for the use of the money, and then execute on the plan. Now, as simple as that sounds, we get emotionally involved and we screw it up. Like, well, here's what I'm going to rate. Once I get these new fields in and this new fencing done, and I put the new mirrors up on my indoor and I, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, I'm going to raise my prices. But halfway through, you don't finish the project and then you're afraid to raise your prices. And now you've squandered your opportunity. So a plan and the resolve to stick with it and see it through is really where the rubber meets the road as far as borrowing money effectively and using it to grow your business. And you know, my favorite word is plan. So setting yourself up for success starts with taking your ideas, taking your goals, putting them down on paper, 
in mapping out a plan for you to get from point A, which is where you are today, to point B, which is achieving your goals. And you can do that in the old-fashioned way by writing a business plan. You can do that the new-fashioned way by using a business model canvas. But whichever plan you use, you're also going to need to pop some numbers into a program that gives you a realistic perspective on how the numbers are going to work. Can the business sustain you? Can so the the your your financial projections become like the road that you're traveling on. So if you've got you want you're at point A and you want to get to point B, right? Your business plan is your roadmap, but your financial projections are the actual asphalt. That's the road you're traveling on. You cannot get from point A to point B without having a road to travel on. And you can't get a loan. So if you walk into your bank with a solid financial plan, they will be blown away because so many people come in and say, or you know, whether it's your bank or your SBA lender or whomever, they say, I really think I need these things. They just know they need them, but there's no, there's, you know, there's no but proof. if you, but you're, and you're dealing with people who live day in and day out in the space of cash flow, yeah. right? And if you walk in and say, here's how I'm going to, turn a $30,000 loan into more profitability and a better business for me, you'll get the bank's attention right out of the gate if you have a really good financial template that you can put in front of them. They can challenge it in different ways, but they're going to be really, really impressed right out of the gate. And, and you know, a lot of horse people are afraid, and we're going to wrap this up with, with this sort of last thought. A lot of horse people are afraid to look at the numbers. I talk about this all the time on this show. The numbers are not as scary once you actually put them down on paper or on your spreadsheet. Will you see a loss? Will you see that you're spending a lot more than you're earning? Maybe, but here's the trick to turning that around. Once you see that you're losing money, you can start to plug those holes. Where are you leaking cash? So taking a look at your business and its inefficiencies will allow you to find the places where you're leaking cash, plug them up, and now voila, suddenly your cash reserves are rising. So don't be afraid to start looking at your numbers. And if what you're looking at is a little depressing, that's when it's time to call in a consultant and say, how can I be more efficient? How can I stop bleeding cash? I'm spending way too much money in betting or my, my help, like my labor costs are through the roof. I need to add more horses in order to earn more money. Before you even do that, you need an extra pair of eyeballs to look at your business and say, here's where you're leaking. Here's how you can plug that up. And now watch your numbers go up. I love this afraid of looking at the numbers. Uh, I love I love looking at it that way because anybody who's running a profitable business would be afraid to not look at their numbers, mm. right? They know every month what their profitability was and it's clear, it's there, black and white. It's it's that pulling the covers over my head and working harder to try to make the business profitable without really understanding the numbers and where the dollars are are moving. Anybody who's running a successful business would be terrified and then they would know that they couldn't run their business effectively that way. So if that's the thing that you're up against, that fear of really looking at the numbers and, and managing your business with the numbers in mind, then 
you've already got your first point of reference for how you can solve a lot of your problems. It's overcoming that fear. All right. So where can people learn more about SBA microloans if they are interested in pursuing this for their business? A very, very easy way to do it. Every single state in the country has an SBA district office. So if you did a Google search for SBA district office in West Virginia or Nebraska or wherever you live, you will immediately get a contact at the SBA district office. Every SBA district office has a staff. They have a district director, they have a deputy director, and then they have some specialists to help you. So no matter where you live, you can start at your SBA district office. Okay. And you just pick up the phone and you say, hi, I'm interested in getting a microloan. Yeah. Or I'd like to speak with an approved micro lender, get them to, you know, really connect you to someone who's in the micro lending space. And I will post notes. Um, I'll post details and links within this episode's show notes at stallandstable.com. So if you're listening to this podcast and you're on the move, just go to stallandstable.com and you can even type in SBA loans or microloans into the search bar and all of the details from this episode will come up as well as links where you can find more information. Buck Harris, thank you so much for being my guest again. It was my pleasure. I'm happy to be on anytime. Thank you, listeners, for following along. Many, many thanks to American Stalls for being our title sponsor and to Tangent Materials. You can find out more about Tangent at tangentmaterials.com or just go to stallandstable.com forward slash fencing. And if you are a small business owner in the horse industry, I encourage you to take a look at the Stall and Stable business planning products. We've got a business plan guide, we have a business model planner, and we also have financial worksheets for horse farms, which can be modified to whatever your business is. If it's not a farm, we can modify those financial spreadsheets. So those are all available for purchase and download at stallandstable.com. And that's going to be a wrap for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. 